Alrighty, folks, welcome back finally to a full cast episode of the Uppercut Podcast. Today, we're going to be previewing the UFC fight night, Amir Albazi versus Kai Kara France. And we're also going to be answering some listener submitted questions that we have. So without further ado, welcome Mikey and Jeff for the first time in a long while. And let's start with this first fight, Kai Kara France versus Amir Albazi. This fight is a big step up for Amir Albazi against Kai Kara France, who has been on a little bit of a down slope recently. Amir Albazi is shorter and thicker, whereas Kai Kara France is a little bit taller and lankier. Um, both are really elite strikers. Um, Albazi's shown some promise on the ground in his last fight. Um, he took on a relative no-namer, but really just humbled him on the ground and was impressive in that showing. That being said, I'm sticking with the boy Kai Kara Franz here. Um, I'm hoping he gets it done. I think I think he can. He's fought bigger guys with a similar build to Amir Albazi and has gotten the wins before. So I'm sticking with him. We'll start with you, Jefferson. What do you feel about Kai Kara Franz versus Amir Albazi? Yeah, the, the real big thing is can, can Amir Albazi keep Kai on the ground, really, and just control him for the whole fight? And... I mean, it's a five-round fight. I that's that's a whole lot of time to fucking try to keep him to the ground, and try to keep his weapons at bay. Because Kai Car France fucking packs heat, dude. Yes. I mean, he's a fucking he's a weapon. <laughs> he's ridiculous. And yeah, I I just think this might be a little too much too soon for Amir Amir Al Bazi. But if he gets it done, that will be fucking crazy yeah and i wouldn't i wouldn't be like shocked if albazi yeah because because he also he kind of mixes it up a little better than kai car france i'll give him that yeah at least offensively for sure mikey yeah that that is one thing that stands out that scares me a bit about this fight for kai is that amir albazi seems to really not have any weaknesses at all through his ufc career so far but I'm siding with both you guys. I don't I don't think he's going to be able to get over this hump now. Maybe a little bit later down the road, maybe he needs a little more experience. I just my thing is I don't see what his path to victory is going to be. Kai's got really tough takedown defense. I think it's like northern 80s, almost 90. Let's not forget he was fucking pummeling Brandon Moreno, who's a undisputed champ right now. There shouldn't be anyone else who should be holding that belt in the flyweight besides him. He was pummeling him before the fucking body kick heard around the world. Mm. Kai Car France, I think, is just a little bit above Albazi as of right now. And if Albazi struggles getting him to the ground, I don't think he's going to have much success in the feet at all. Although Albazi is light on the feet and he is a decent boxer, I think Kai is just an insanely good boxer. Yes, couldn't agree more there. Alex Casarius versus... Daniel Pineda is slated for the co-main event. And this one, boys, is going to be an extremely fun one. Daniel Pineda, um, he throws a lot of strikes. He's got a lot of power, a lot of finishes. He This is another one where you're t- taking a tall, lanky guy versus a short, stubbier, kind of thicker guy in Pineda. Casares, very tall and lanky, um, doesn't, lo- doesn't get hit very often and is hard to hit. Daniel Pineda has some extreme power. Um, in his hands, I watched his last fight against Lutz this morning, and he was really getting some pop on those punches. He also does get hit a lot, though, and was taking some damage there. He was also throwing a lot of weird spinning attacks with 
they weren't even attacks. They were just spins, which was kind of strange. Um, he's he is 37, and he's coming off of before that win against Lutz. He came off of like an MCL tear and a quad tear. Um, I think that he he does have the advantage on the ground because, as we saw in his last fight, he was able to get that submission. And Casares, with his body type, is probably going to have difficulties uh, avoiding the takedown. That being said, I think I think that. Casarius is going to be able to I think he actually will although he might face difficulties in avoiding the takedown I think he will manage to avoid it and I think he'll be able to avoid the strikes from Daniel Pineda and is able to time some shots there to at least outpoint him if not get the knockout here I'm going to go with Alex Casarius we'll go to you Mikey how do you feel about Alex Casarius versus Daniel Pineda yeah there's no fucking shot in hell that Bruce Leroy's losing this fight there's no chance in hell in my book. I don't think at all. He's not losing to a 37-year-old who tends to get finished. I just don't see it one bit. I agree. I think this was going to be my NyQuil fight of the night, and it was going to be my NyQuil fight of the night just riding Alex Caceres getting a finish at some point. Bruce Leroy's look great as of late. His, I mean, come on, the high kick. What the fuck yeah. are we talking about here? Daniel Pineda, I agree. Tough guy tends to get finishes. The only reason I'm a little worried about the NyQuil fight and night picks is Daniel Pineda throws in the sub finishes, which wouldn't technically qualify, but I don't even think it's going to get to that point. I'm riding Bruce Leroy heavy. I say a stipulation is if the guy gets choked to sleep, I'd say we count it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, Alex seems to like kind of not start that fast, but in Daniel Pineda, that's really where he makes his fucking money is in the first few minutes. Out Bruce Leroy kind of seems to like, I don't know, like, mm, I'm trying to think, like, try to like develop and think of what's going on for the first few minutes, and then he goes and throws like a crazy ass fucking sort of cheeto like last time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or, or like a Sugar Sean, because he kind of puts it on a little earlier than Cheeto. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, after that fucking kick last fight, I, I can't go against Bruce Leroy. I mean, Daniel Pineda, he kind of mixes it up better. Kind of like the same argument for last, for the Kai Kara France fight. He kind of mixes it up a little better, but... Bruce, Bruce ugh, Leroy is a fucking killer. Yeah, he really yeah, and is. Daniel Pineda's gas tank has been quite trash lately. Yeah, and yeah. that's where fucking Alex really, really shines is a little later. Yeah, good point there. Um, Next up on the fights, this fight just got changed. It was supposed to be Jim Miller versus Jared Gordon. It is now Jim Miller versus... Jesse Butler. Uh, I would assume we all go Jim Miller on this one just because it's a new guy coming in on short notice against Jim Miller. Um, this always gets us, but... Yeah, uh, not going to lie. I didn't even know who got rescheduled for Jim Miller and another guy. I thought it was just canceled. I didn't oh, no. know Jim Miller was still fighting. Yeah, he's still fighting. He's got a fight against Jesse Butler. I believe um, it's his UFC debut. Oh, fuck. Well, yeah. I'll lock it up. Andy Susan's locking tonight. <laughs> right. Jesse Butler, by the way, out of West Monroe, Louisiana, his UFC debut. He, he, he it seems that he is on a two, four, five fight win streak. Um, 
So yeah, he's twelve and four. But I'm yeah, going to slide him a DM and ask him to come on the podcast. That's not a bad <laughs> idea. So yeah, uh, we'll lock that up as Hammy Sosa's lock of the night. And we'll I'm gonna pick him. Didn't picking... know this fight was happening, but I needed it. <laughs> not gonna Butler. lie. Yeah, dude, yes. Jim Miller, Jared Gordon's still on here. I was going to take Jim Miller as my fucking lock still, but fuck it. Fuck it. All right. Um, Tim Elliott versus Victor Altamirano is another fight going on. Um, I like Tim Elliott in this one, boys. I don't really have. You do? Coming out of the fucking shit show? That's all that. That's I, I think that's the whole reason. You, I could give you all these optics and all that type of shit. But to me, Tim Elliott needs this one here, boys, and I'm I'm picking him. Um, we'll start with you, Jefferson. Are you picking Tim Elliott? I actually am. Yep, I'm rocking with the boy out coming out of the whole shit show. He, like you said, he really needs this. His his life has uh, it's been a sad one for the last few weeks. We are fucking months for that, Jim. Yeah, yeah, for so sure. He he definitely needs one here. Yes, Mikey, who are you picking with this one? Yeah, I mean, everything is telling me to pick against Tim Elliott, and I just can't in this fight whatsoever. I think stylistically it's a good matchup for him, too. Uh, Like you guys said, he's had a lot of drama outside the ring. He's had a long layoff, so everything's telling you to pick against him. But Tim Elliott, just like a lot of the other guys who come – I know he's not from there, but a lot of the guys from the Northeast usually like this. Like He is like one of them – doesn't take shit, doesn't back down from nothing, balls to all motherfucker, been around forever, has a plethora of experience, has great fight IQ that we saw him use against Ulan Bekov that led him to a win. Uh, I think he's got a clear advantage here. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm picking Tim Elliott. Um, we have a women's fight coming up, Kareen S- Silva versus Kathleen Souza. This is going to be a fucking banger, and I'm locking up Corinne Silva, Corinne Killer Silva. She's right now, she's on a two, four, six fight win streak with submission, submission, TKO, submission, submission, and TKO. She has been getting some finishes. She looks scary. She looks scary, rather. Um, lock up Corinne Silva to get the win here for me. I think she's a really fun uh, prospect, and I'm really excited to fight to watch her fight. So I'm picking her to get the win over Kathleen Souza. Um, Mikey, who are you picking for this one? I actually had Silva for literally all the same reasons. Yeah. Every single reason you just listed is exactly why it's Silva. I think this will, even though it, it could turn into a grappling battle, I really, really doubt it is. And if it stays in the ground, Silva's got the advantage for me. Yes. Jefferson? Yeah. And also, Silva's got a real big size advantage in this one. So I'm definitely rocking out with Silva as well. But both would... of these women are absolute dogs. Yes. I'm, with the size advantage, I wouldn't be surprised if Sosa really pulls something out because she is used to being the smaller fighter in most of her fights. True. Um, Abu Bakr versus Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos. Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov, that is, versus Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos are, are going to have a nice, interesting fight. Um. Dos Santos, obviously the jiu-jitsu master. Um, and however, gets a lot of wins via KO and TKO. And then Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov, you know from the last name what kind of style he fights. I mean, it's going to be hard to pick um, the winner in this one. There is no, I think they're at even money right now. Um, 
but I think I think uh, Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov is going to get this one done. Probably by decision would be my guess. Um, I mean, you can't bet against the name here, and we know exactly what he's going to do. And I just see him getting the win here. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I was going to actually say they did close in as about even, but they opened at like, I think Abu Bakr opened at like plus 200. And I was thinking, what the flying fuck is Vegas thinking right now? Yeah. Like, what were they thinking? That was going to be like my underdog lock of the night for sure. Abu Bakr, with the, I mean, he's not as sharp as the other Nurmagomedovs Madoffs in the wrestling department, but it's still good enough, I think, to beat a guy like Zaleski. I don't know what they were thinking. Opening him as a clear underdog, I got Abubakar. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Jefferson, what are you thinking? Yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with the boys again on this one. I mean, Nemeranga Madoff, he, he, he's a fucking Nemeranga Madoff, of course. And he's going to look for a takedown the whole time. He's going to try to ground, grind you out. And... So Santos, he throws these huge shots and he kind of leaves himself open to takedowns whenever he throws them. So it's kind of a perfect storm for old Abu Bakar. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. I don't think Zaleski's defense holds up every three rounds. Yeah, I, I agree with that one for sure. Um, So put us down for Abu Bakar and Nurmagomedov. Daniel Santos versus Johnny Munoz are, are slated to have a pretty interesting fight. Um, so Johnny Munoz, he's coming off of a decision win here. His striking has been looking really sharp. Daniel Santos, um, coming off of a win as well, I believe. And he, I think he's minus 200 at this one. Um, I've seen him at like minus 210 in other books. That being said, I'm actually going to go with Daniel or sorry, Johnny Munoz, because I think that, I don't know, he's, he's looking better in my opinion and, He's getting a lot of like his striking is looking really solid. Um, I I I think that he can get it done here. I think he can outstrike um, Daniel Santos. I'm gonna go with Johnny Munoz here. We'll start with you, Jefferson. Who are you picking? Yeah, I mean, I'm literally splitting hairs with this one. Fuck it, give me the blonde fucking Brazilian. Give me the fucking Willie Cat. <laughs> How come? I mean, both of these guys are super early in their careers, and they're both 500 fighters, so I'm seriously, I'm just going off of who usually bites me in the ass more than it's fucking the blonde Brazilian, so fuck it, give me, give me fucking Willie Daniel Santos. Alrighty, fair enough. Um, Mikey, who are you picking? Uh, I'm signing with you, Maximus. I think uh, Munoz is a better overall fighter. He's a lot more ways to win this fight. And I think that's going to be pretty apparent by the end of it. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Andre Arlovsky versus Don Tail Mays. I was actually impressed with Don Tail Mays's last performance. Um, Andre Arlovsky, extremely old, has shown some erosion on his chin here. Don Tail Mays has shown that he is able to put some people out. I'm going to go with Don Tail Mays here. I wouldn't even. Ex- I would actually expect a knockout win for Don Tail Mays in this one. Um, I just think his hands are really heavy, and Arlovsky is getting up there in age. He's been up there in age for a long while, actually, and unfortunately, I think that his eroded chin is going to get the best of him here. I'm picking uh, Dontel Mays. We'll start with you, Mike. Who are you picking? 
Yeah, I was going to pick him for pretty similar reasons. I don't even understand why a guy who's 44 years old is still fighting. I really cannot fathom that whatsoever. Dante Almeida is a big, strong motherfucker. He likes to mix in wrestling too, which I know might you might think it would work into Orlovsky's hands, but he's 44 fucking years old. I don't think he's going to have the gas tank or the physicality really to match up with Mays. Yeah. Jefferson? Um... Go ahead and do I it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of the Pitbull. But we're definitely going to be in for a fucking stinker in this one. <laughs> and not going to lie, I'm taking the Pitbull. All right. Because Dante Mace has not been able to show me over, like, half of a round of fucking full fighting. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually picking him on sheer physicality, not really and, on and UFC Pitbull, skills. Just because just he's 45. You might think, fuck, no, no way he fucking, he, he's a 45-year-old heavyweight. No way he's going to throw volume and shit. But recently, that's kind of all he's been. It's like a point striker. And that's something the UFC heavyweight division really doesn't have is anyone who can go a full three rounds. And Dante Mays is surely not that fucking guy. And Pitbull is that guy, weirdly enough. Yeah, Dontel Mays also coming off of the loss to Augusto Sakai that got Augusto Sakai uh, like kicked out of the UFC or cut. So not the best uh, performance. That went decision, too. Yeah, that went decision. <laughs> he lost. But he does have some th- third-round TKOs. He uh, he beat Josh Parisian in the third round via elbows. He won a unanimous decision versus uh, Roque Martinez and um, has gotten a third third round verbal submission before. So I think he can go the distance. He also took, he won via Mo Usman, who I obviously don't like. So <laughs> there is that. But and um, another thing I want to say about yeah. this, if you're even considering betting on this fight, you're fucking insane. Yeah, or you are a problem. true degenerate. Yeah, that's a true degen. <laughs> well, uh, wait, how big of a fucking underdog is Pitbull? <laughs> okay, come on. Because, <laughs> um, dude, final- for the money... The final fight we're going to cover tonight is Jamie Malarkey versus Muhammad Naimov. I fucking love Jamie Malarkey. I'm taking the boy. I know Naimov has shown some some um, interesting stuff for sure, but I love I love watching Jamie Malarkey fight, and I think that he can get it done. Um, he's also stepping in on five days' notice to fight Jamie Malarkey. Shouldn't be an issue for Naimov, who you know they always um, th- th- he's always in relatively good shape, but. I'm gonna take take Jamie Malarkey here because I I'm a, just a huge fan of him, uh, and we can start with you, Mikey. Who are you picking? Yeah, I'm taking Jamie Malarkey 110 percent too. And another thing that really stuck out to me was the last fight. I know we us three really gassed it up and talked about it a lot. Jamie Malarkey really looked like to unlock another version of himself. He looked fantastic his last yeah. fight, and he really did it striking and managing his distance well, and just putting a beating on Francisco Prado and. You look at this, he's got a three inch height advantage, I think around a four inch reach advantage. I, this should be this should be light work for Jamie Malarkey. He was also supposed to fight Goram Kutaladze, who is a, a very scary man. Um, so I'm sure he was training super super hard. And also Francisco Prado, like you talked about, had has elite knockout power and Jamie was sitting there. He played a great mind game in that one. Um, I was so impressed with his performance. And I think he can get it done against Muhammad Naimov. We'll start with you, Jefferson. What do you take? Who are you picking on this one? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely rocking with the boy Jamie Malarkey. I mean, 
a, being a smaller guy on short notice, that's, that's the most disaster for you, Samoa Joe. Fucking Naeem <laughs> off is, <laughs> is not well off in this fight, I tell you what. <laughs> All right, now we have some questions from a follower named Uriakin Corrigo. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. I'm trying my hardest. Um, Thank you for these questions. We really appreciate them, and we're sorry that it took us so long to get back to you. His first question from Uryetkin is, if Fedor had come to UFC in 2009 or 2010, could he have been a champion over other fighters at the time, such as Carwin, Junior Dos Santos, Cain Velasquez, and Lesnar? So I'll, I'll start with you, Mikey. Do you think Fedor could have been a champion? Fedor, rather, could have been a champion at that time? I don't even think the question was if he could have been a champion, he would have, 110%. Like, Fedor, I think, really gets looked over because I think with our generation especially, we really look in – we really deep dive into John Jones, especially because the UFC wasn't as big back then as other – like, there was other promotions that were nearly just as big as the UFC. Uh, Fedor, in my opinion, if he would have came into the UFC in his prime or a little bit before his prime had some more time to adjust the UFC's rules – probably would have easily been the best heavyweight of all time. I think his his swiftness on the feet, his chin, his natural ability, his natural talent, I just don't – he was he was so not one-dimensional either. I think he could have easily beat Stipe's fucking record for longest-tenured heavyweight champion. I don't even think it would have been a problem for him. Yes. Jefferson? Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, it, actually, if we really – because Fedor's had, like, a weird-ass – kind of career but if we look at it his his prime was really like before 2006 yes and that's when nobody was mixing it up like him really yeah especially nobody was used to the fucking sambo wrestler dominating a division i mean he would have rolled that division until we would have got the which is kind of weird because it kind of lines up when he first started losing, at least just a little bit, when Fedor. But he would have, it would have just lined up perfectly for when Brock Lesnar entered the UFC. And God, that would have been fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, his his mix of Sambo and Judo, too, I mean, is just such a great base, especially early on when... Um, 2009 2010 I know there are there are some guys at that time that are really elite and are showing good mixed martial arts but I don't think it's as tightened up as it is now and So y'all have them heavyweight goat right now um yeah. it it yeah, depends which heavyweight goat. depends what you're talking about cuz I see this conversation a lot but I don't see not for the UFC maybe a mixed martial artist but not not UFC now who I'm I know I'm talking about Fedor all time MMA for, goat for heavyweight. Yeah, but that's yeah. what I mean. Are you talking about for as a mixed martial artist or the or UFC period? Well, he, if that makes sense, because he yeah. he like spent a shit ton of his career not in the UFC, so it's yeah, kind of hard. No, he ne- he never fought in the UFC. That's the thing. Yeah, no, that's why I'm saying it's kind of hard to tell. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about all all of the heavyweights and all of MMA. I would have to do more research on that one before I could definitively say it because I haven't. Liked... I mean, it's pretty much because 
I mean, you're just looking at like Kotor at that point, right? Carwin, big. I mean, a lot of people say Stipe is the heavyweight goat. Yeah, I'd about to say Stipe at least. So, I mean, it would be pretty much him versus Stipe. And I think I say Fedor every time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Easily, I I I think Fedor is easily the heavyweight goat. Francis can do some crazy shit. I feel like he can make a run at it or fuck it, John Jones. I mean, he beats the Russian and beats fucking Steve. That's a kind of kind of a hard fucking what you call it, record to beat. But I don't know. That whole that whole fucking win streak by Fedor it is like the only like crazy accomplishment uh I don't want to say it's the only crazy accomplishment, but it's like one of them like unbreakable records, I'd say. Fair enough. And he was also fighting in the fucking steroid era too, just to add yeah. to everything else. And yeah, I in the sure scariest fucking, in the scariest promotion, fucking pride. Yeah. Too. And I can't even be sure that he was on steroids because he didn't really look like he was. <laughs> um, uh, if he was, I don't know what the fuck he was doing. He must have been doing no chin ups <laughs> or anything. Yes. Um. Okay. And then the second question is if Brock Lesnar got into MMA under elite camps and coaches right after college, how good would he have been, especially the pre-USADA period? Um, because insanely, Brock Lesnar is 5-3 and three in MMA, but second in most heavyweight title defenses. He had the third longest consecutive UFC heavyweight title reign. Um, Cain Velasquez, first 896 days. Stipe Miocic, 785 days. And then Brock Lesnar at 707 days. Um, he once tied for first place with only six MMA fights, no amateur striking experience, just college wrestling. And he jumped from WWE straight into MMA. Uh, His body probably wore down for multiple careers, NFL, WWE, MMA, and still managed to defeat legends like Frank Muir, Randy Gotor, and Shane Carwin. Um, So to me, I think that, I think Brock might've been the heavyweight goat if um, he went straight to MMA camps, especially in pre-USADA. Because his issue was more that one, he had the existing issues from um, uh, NFL and WWE injuries, and then two, he just didn't know how to put together all the mixed martial arts. It, it really wasn't, wasn't. It wasn't really, really injury. It was just yeah. uh, div- diverticulitis. Yeah, it was uh, like problems. a gastrointestinal thing. Yeah. So I don't know if that would have been avoided, but. He also, you could see against in his first couple fights, like um, in his losses, especially, you could see just him being relatively new to the game. Um, I think getting in under elite coaches and things of that nature, he could have easily become the MMA heavyweight goat, in my opinion. Um, we'll start with you, Jefferson. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we're just saying how it's there was really like no really long record where you. For there to uh for for you to go off of for MMA heavyweight, and he would have easily been the goat because he would have if we're assuming he trained MMA straight out even college he could still have the whole collegiate career because you need a record before you're going in MMA. I mean yeah. straight out of college he wouldn't do all that bullshit with WWE because he had a couple of stints with the WWE. And then he fucking went into the NFL, played what a practice game or two, yeah, a preseason yeah. game, 
and then he went back to WWE after a couple injuries, I think. So, I mean, without that whole little back and forth and just going straight on MMA, I mean, he, obviously, he's fucking the craziest freaking nature I think we've ever seen. Yeah. I think I, so, too. I, I heard Pat McAfee say it once. If we're sending a fucking a human to go fight a whole alien race, it's Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, it's Brock fucking Lesnar. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have caught up with um, WWE, like, recently. I, I, I don't really watch it at all. But apparently, there's this massive, like, seven-foot-five guy. Um and I forget his name, but basically he he uh he was saying that in terms of like most impressive athletic specimens he's been in the in the uh, ring with, he said Brock was up there and Brock put him on his shoulders in their like most recent match and he did it with such ease. And he yeah, said that Brock, Brock is literally a, he's a fucking he's like a bull. He was raised by fucking farmers. He's seriously just a human bull. <laughs> yes, he is. It's okay, ridiculous. almost. The, the the wrestler's name is Omos. Look him up. This guy is fucking massive. And he literally, um, he's seven foot three, 403 pounds. And um, yeah, Brock just straight up put him on his shoulders during a match and flipped him <laughs> off to the side like nothing. So yeah, I think it's safe to say Brock would have been really solid um, with the correct coaches. Mikey, are you hopping on that trend as well? hundred and ten percent. Because I'm guessing he would have entered in what, like two thousand maybe he had a couple of fights outside, we'll assume, maybe two thousand two. That was right when like I mean right fr- shortly after changing that hands back and forth. You know what I mean? For shortly after that, Frank Muir was the champ. Frank Muir became champ in two thousand four for the first time. He beat Frank Muir already without all yeah. this crazy training. So I mean, I don't know who like Bigfoot Silva I, or Tim Sylvia, I don't know. Randy Couture, I doubt it. I mean, Couture could have had some battles with him, but I don't think anyone was beating Yeah, Brock. it would have been fucking his stomach again that was going to be the only thing taking him out. Yeah, the only thing that he, like, Father Time and Fabricio Verdum, if it would have got to that point, maybe just because of his grappling could have beat him and he would have been old by that or point. Or maybe but... Cardio Kane. Yeah, maybe. I was thinking that too, but that's possible because that's around like 2010. But I don't know. I don't even know about those. I'm not sure. He's a freak of nature. He's he's a one of one. Yes, for sure. Um, all right, that's gonna do it for us here at the Uppercut Podcast. Thank you so much for submitting your questions, Oriyatkin, and we hope more people do that in the future. We'll be better at answering them right away. Um, yeah, those are our picks for the upcoming fight night, UFC fight night, Amir Albazi versus Kai Car France. I'm actually excited for this one, although the card's falling apart a little bit with a lot of injuries and canceled fights. I'm still excited. Stay tuned for the review of that fight night coming up on Sunday night, posted Monday morning, and we will be back soon for the review, as mentioned, as well as a preview of the upcoming UFC 292 card and much more. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all for listening, and peace.